Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the show. Hi, Bianca. Um, I'm glad I'm with you. <laughs> I'm glad no? you're with us too. <laughs> so when stage six load shedding hits, uh, we've had to cope with blockouts for hours. And this has an impact on our appliances, in particular our fridges So, and the contents of our fridges. So what do we do about that? Okay. So there are a lot of things that we as consumers can do. But what um, I want to mainly focus on today is um, what are the supermarkets who – which sell us, you know, uh, fresh meat, yes. uh, dairy, all sorts of perishables that really scientifically need to have cold chain maintenance. They need to be kept at a certain temperature, failing which they should be, um, you know, got rid of. They should be, they should be, they should not be sold because of the food safety element. But is that happening? And are, are all can we trust that all stores are in fact? maintaining the, the cold chain i think we first need to acknowledge that this is a, a, a you know a major logistical yeah. um, challenge for for these retailers um and it must be absolute hell trying to keep everything going well they don't keep everything going i think most of them don't keep you know their their in-store bakeries going and their chicken rotisseries and all that kind of thing but yeah but you know fridges and lights would be your most important and what got me thinking about this subject bianca was um an experience I had just this past uh, Sunday in my local spa, which is um, held a view in Somerset West. Mm-hmm. Um, so I visited the store at noon, which was by then halfway through a four-hour stage six, or at least four-hour stage six blackout. So it was from 10 to, um, technically from 10 to half past two. Um, okay. And um, I went to get myself um, some chicken breasts and – I noticed that, well, first thing I noticed was that the lighting of the fridge was a little dim. Mm. So I put my hand, it was one of those display fridges, and importantly, no um, curtain in the front. So an open fridge housing all kinds of fresh meat. And um, at the back, there are these little holes where the cold air normally comes out, and I could tell that plate was not cold at all. So clearly, it hadn't been on for two hours. Yeah. And... In my assumption, I mean, if the food was still there after two hours and the fridge wasn't working, that was going to be the case for four, four and a bit hours. Yeah, you were only halfway um, through the the load shedding. Yeah, it was two hours, which is really a long time without refrigeration. So I was concerned about this. I addressed the issue with the manager on duty and he confirmed that the fridge in question was indeed off, not running. He said the meat would have to be removed and he made a show of making call. He didn't say where the meat was going to be removed to. And, you know, my thinking was if you had a plan for that, you had a plan to remove the meat and put it in some kind of refrigerated uh, container, some kind of plan B, it surely would have happened at 10 o'clock, not at 12 o'clock when a customer said, um, the fridge is off two hours later. Mm. Um, so this is a topic that I have been engaging uh, the these big supermarket groups with um since 2008 when it all um, started intermittently yeah when it all started you remember that yeah um i asked the big four supermarkets a, a group of a set of questions pertaining to cold chain maintenance and i asked them similar questions in 2014 when these scheduled blackouts then became a reality in our lives again so I wrote a story. I'm just going to read an excerpt of yeah. it in December 2014. So that is what, six, eight years ago, based on their responses. 
Um, I'll just read a paragraph. If Woolworths cold chain is broken for eight consecutive mis- minutes, the retailer considers the products waste and dumps them. Or pick and pay, the downtime is seven minutes. I had asked them how how long after a break in refrigeration do they consider the cold chain broken and the goods spoiled? Only pick and pay and Woolworths answered the question directly. The Spa Group's retail operations director at the time said only that the cold chain on perishable products varies by category. Mm. Same thing at all. Big. So, yeah, I asked them, should consumers be worried about the state of perishable food bought from supermarkets in the height of summer, given the current extent of the power outages? Incidentally, I wrote the story in December of 2014, when obviously the temperatures are really high. Um, overall, the the big four retailers said no, not at all. Most of them have invested in generators and those that do not have self-generated power to run their fridges and freezers say so they discard stock spoiled by prolonged load shedding. Um, so I went back to them um, this week and asked the question again, given that outages are now regularly more than four hours at a time. It does change the game quite considerably. Um, I also asked how they ensured the integrity of chilled food during the home delivery process, which, as you know, has taken off since COVID. Yes. Um, so we're talking about, Spa doesn't have it, but um, Checkers, I don't know, yeah. but Woolworths, uh, Checker 6060 mm. and um, Pick and Pay. Um, so I asked them, you know, this is the height of summer, how are they ensuring that the milk and meat Etc. In those delivery vehicles, um, are, are you know being maintained at a temperature low enough for them not to spoil. Um, so, I mean, that actually isn't just about load shedding because those those things are all the time being delivered. Um, exactly. It's interesting what it's those a, what's inside those little boxes at the back of those bikes. Exactly. No, mm. you're absolutely right. This this um, question isn't directly linked to load shedding. Mm. Although, if this food comes from a and out of a fridge yeah, that hasn't yeah. been running for, yes. for a couple of hours already, then it's it's a much more serious exactly, scenario. Yeah. So Spa says, these extended power outages are certainly causing havoc with refrigeration and other appliances, as well as backup batteries and other alternative power sources coming under extre- increasing strain yeah. in the retail sector and across many other industries. However, it's imperative that alternative solutions are found, which sadly may result in some wastage of products. Excessive power cuts should never be an excuse for not ensuring the highest safety standards <clears throat> and protocols are maintained. Um, about the incident in question, I was told we are looking into this matter as a priority and will ensure we determine if there has been any failure on the part of the retailer to maintain our food safety standards as per our comprehensive spa store safe principles, which include 12 detailed modules, which our retailers are expected to adhere to across all aspects of food preparation, food hygiene, food storage, food serving, and transportation of food, all the gazetted regulations governing good hygiene requirements for food premises. It's important for note to note, I think most people know this, that the business model of spa is that the stores are individually owned by independent owners, um, or some of them have more than one, but they're not part of a you know, a chain. Um, they're not branches or linked to, uh, you know, part of the, the company. They, are, they have a, um, a, a um, an owner model. Um, where was I? Okay. Um, as for my specific questions, yes. I was told with regard to refrigerated goods, after how many minutes does the company consider the cold chain to have broken? 
they say we we don't stipulate minutes, but uh, we rather provide best practice measures and temperature regimes, which our retailers are expected to adhere to. Mm. Um, this includes a full breakdown of processes. And so obviously they're supposed to check the temperature when the fridge goes out and, and um, during um, the outage process. Um, and if at the end of that, the, the temperatures are not what they should be, um, I'm guessing that means they should be discarded. I was hoping to get a, a response to that specific um, uh, experience that, yes. I, that I spoke of. Yes. To me, it was a fairly extreme one, and they, they, um, I did ask them on uh, Monday morning. But anyway, to be continued on that one, yes. the Shoprite Group yeah. says um, that they've made substantial investments over the years to equip all its supermarkets with generators to enable uninterrupted operations, including keeping fridges and freezers running. Um, this is a standard specification for any new store. Um, we have increased the installed capacity of solar PV systems by 82% over the last year. It's pretty significant. Um, Checkers 6060 aims to deliver. This is now about the home delivery service. Yeah. We aim to deliver in under 60 minutes uh, with a 35 rand delivery fee each checker's order. And I thought this was an interesting answer. Is carefully selected by a picker who knows the store layout and is able to seamlessly navigate the store to prepare the order, followed by a dedicated direct delivery via motorbike, which will typically reach the customer's kitchen much sooner than the customer would have been able to move from our store to their home, especially during times of load shedding, which can often cause further traffic delays. So they're saying, um, you know, with the lights out, it can take us longer in a car, mm. but these little scooters just nips through the traffic. But the answer there is they don't have any, um, there's no ice bricks or insulation yeah. or anything. As, as anyone who's ordered, um, as I do, um, f from the service, it comes in a big brown uh, paper bag. Um, so pick and pace is uh, they take special care to protect the integrity of their cold chain. Um, stores work at, as quickly as possible to... Um, Oh, sorry, if generators are out of commission, they've got generators, but if they yeah. aren't working for some reason and the cold chain is broken, they dispose of stock immediately or appropriately. Wow. Stores work as quickly as possible to do this because for every 10 minutes stock is out of the cold chain, the temperature increases by 1%. Phew. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, all of our fridges and freezers run off generators and our stores take care to ensure that they have sufficient diesel available. Um, stage six load shedding puts additional pressure on our system. So production planning is critical. Our stores need to plan baking and cooking in line with load shedding schedules as our ovens do not run off the generators. Hot food kept for longer than four hours is discarded because that's also a risk. So it was interesting to hear that. So much wasted, as far as yeah. online, yeah. it is terrible, oh. absolutely terrible. As far as online deliveries are concerned, stores pick the orders and keep the stock at the correct temperature until the delivery is ready for dispatch. All online deliveries are delivered in insulated cooler boxes with ice packs to ensure stock is delivered at the correct temperatures. Okay. Uh, their delivery fee is 50 rand as compared to 35 rand, but um, you could argue they're investing in in those um, cold chain maintenance measures uh, with all their deliveries. Um, and then on to Woolworths. Um, most of our Woolworths stores have standby generator power supplies enabling them to, enabling them to continue to trade despite comes capacity, the store's emergency backup generator keeps equipment like fridges and tools up and running and provides adequate lighting. If the generator fails, the store 
will attempt to save the stock by moving cold chain products into the walk-in cooler and frozen products into the walk-in freezers at the back of the store. Any cold chain products that go above five degrees Celsius and frozen products above minus 18 degrees Celsius are isolated and will not be sold. Uh, in my experience, Woolworths has the most stringent um, rules yeah. and non-negotiable mm. rules around mm. the cold chain. Um, we've also focused on energy uh, measurement, management, and efficiency initiatives across our facilities, resulting in a 40% relative reduction over the last decade. Um, but the impact on consumer and business confidence is significant. Mm. As for online deliveries, um, all perishable and frozen items are delivered according to their ideal temperature regime. For the scheduled delivery channel, this is achieved with our own bespoke insulated box. Um, it's that uh, b- back black box many will be familiar with, yeah. which is fitted with a special frozen plates to maintain ideal product temperature. For Dash, we use a flexible insulated and chilled delivery bag, which maintains product temperature and quality on the short journey from the store to the customer. Our boxes and bags are regularly tested under field conditions to ensure that our standards are being met and the people and process elements needed to maintain this temperature discipline are subject to regular process and review audits. So there you have it. Uh, Two out of the three um, uh, supermarket groups that do um, home deliveries from online orders take some measures to provide ice bricks and temperature management. Checker says they don't, but there's a, such a quick process, and usually it, it most definitely is, and they, they get the groceries from the store to the homes faster than the customer would. Um, my only counter, counter to that is because of the work I do, I'm very aware of, of cold chains. So if I'm going shopping, uh, particularly on a hot summer's day, um, I will take a, a insulated um Freeze a bag, cooler bag with ice bricks inside, and all my cold things go in there. I think you know this job That's just good. makes you a little yeah. bit good advice. Those things. Um, yeah, I'm, it is. I'm talking to a consumer journalist Wendy Nola. If you have any questions for her, you can call us on 021-446-0567 or you can WhatsApp us on 0725671567. Here's a WhatsApp. Um, hi, on the topic of refrigeration in stores, I bought ready-made spinach and butternut from PNP Pick and Pay on the weekend. When we ate it, it was sour. I'm very wary of ready-made veg now, and that's from Angie. I mean, that raises the question, what, what, where does this leave the consumer with returns if the date isn't expired um, and the food has yeah. gone sour, Wendy? No, that's very um, very clear. The Consumer Protection Act is very clear on that. If you buy something, regardless of all, well, unless the, the um, best before date has passed, you can't then say, oh, but this is sour. But um, if it's within its, its date, its date mark, and the product has spoiled, absolutely, all you have to do is take it back to the store and I'm, um, I'm just about 100% sure that they would do the right thing, refund you and allow you to buy something else. But um, it is a bit of a schlep, but but there you are. You're certainly not going to be shortchanged. I wanted to just say on, on about Wilbur's response, I was there at, a, at the flagship store at Waterstone on Thursday of last week. And all the fridges and freezers in the store, every single one was completely barren, bare, nothing in them. And um, when I queried this, I was told that one of the generators had failed, but they have a refrigerated container at the back of that particular store and possibly others. And so they 
just took everything out, stored it in there, and they said, if you just wait 10 minutes, we're going to bring everything back um, and um, if you can get what you want. Mm. And so they did, and everything came back in um, in sealed, temperature-controlled containers. So that is best-case scenario. But given where we're headed, and we could be in for more than stage six, um, we as consumers should be asking questions around cold chain maintenance and not just assuming as we possibly could in the past yeah. that everything was going to be fine. Um, so, yeah, that's that was that. It was a stark contrast to my experience a few days later in, in the spa. Um, do we have our expert for the day who knows all about we do. these issues would you like more? Would you like Fantastic. To, to interview the prof? Yes, I would. So, Joining us now is Professor Lucia Annelich, who is one of South Africa's most well-known, if not the most well-known, food safety and microbiology expert. Um, and I've spoken to her off-air about some of these issues. And given that, despite the time of the year, she's agreed to join us today to give us her professional input here. Welcome, uh, Lucia, welcome, Prof. You. Can you hear us? Yes. Oh, hello good. There. I can hear you both very well. Wonderful. Go ahead, Wendy. Great. So, Lucia, how worried should we be about fresh meat sitting in an open fridge with no curtains in front um, when the fridge is not powered for two to four hours? Yeah, Wendy, that's a, that is a concern for sure because any perishable products, which is clearly all the fresh cheeses and fresh meats and poultry and fish and so on, those are regarded as perishable. Um, is a concern the moment they go into a uh, spot where there isn't proper refrigeration. Because every increase in degree Celsius allows microorganisms to grow a little bit faster than what they would have Uh grown if they were kept at lower temperatures. So as the temperature rises, microbial growth will increase, which can mean two things. Either more rapid spoilage, so, so the shelf life date for the product will probably yeah. not work. Mm. Uh, it'll probably spoil a lot sooner. Yes. Uh, and then the second aspect, of course, is safety. So, uh, you know, you can see spoilage, you can smell it, uh, and you can taste it. But safety is always the one that is a bit more concerning because the product can be unsafe because there's uh, an organism in there that could cause disease. And when it's unsafe, unfortunately, you can't taste it, you can't see it, the, cha- the, the product doesn't change in color. There's no mm. change in texture. So it looks perfectly good and you might eat it and then it's unsafe. So those are the two main yeah. issues related to perishable foods that are not kept refrigerated. Okay. Very so, boring. yeah, question, as I say, that, that consumers need to, to start asking and holding the retailers accountable, I would say. Um, so many of us order not only groceries online but cooked meals online and these two two avenues of commerce have just shot up as i've said earlier since COVID. what questions should those of us who well i've, I've sort of handled the i've covered the um are those um vehicles that deliver the, the groceries are they is there any kind of temperature control in them we've handled that but what sh- questions if any should we be asking about the way that cooked food, fast food, if if you if you are, if you like, should be delivered to us in our homes. And this will have to be the last question, Wendy, because we're going to headlines. So, if Lucia, sure. if, Prof, if yes. you could answer that quick, 
Yes, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's typical. It's the same one, really. One would like to understand what is the, the not the vehicle itself, but the bag that is going to be containing that that food that is now cooked for, for consumption. So typically when it gets to the consumer, the consumer will eat it directly, not necessarily reheat it or cook it further or whatever. So this is a fully cooked meal mm. that is coming to you. Mm. Now you don't have any control over what that person that's now delivering the food had in that same bag the day before or the afternoon before or that afternoon in the morning or whenever another type of product was delivered. So there could be cross-contamination. If it's something that had some juices that were leaking because the product was not cooked fully, and this can happen with, for example, with a half-cooked hamburger or a chicken that was not fully cooked and still have, might have some juices running, raw, raw juices running. And that mm. can contaminate the next food item that will be put in that same bag and delivered. So the cleanliness, the hygiene, those are the aspects that are of concern to us from a microbiological perspective in this e-commerce which you rightly, rightfully said is growing in, um, it's unbelievable, it's, it's going to be billions and billions of dollars worth by the year 2025. That has been the latest um, projection from the United States. Thank you so much for sure. your time uh, today, Prof. Yeah, you've given us food for thought, so, so to speak. Think about it's, it. quite, <laughs> it's quite scary indeed and, and daunting. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, there will be more from a consumer journalist, Wendy Nola, after the break. It is 25 minutes to three and you're listening to Consumer Talk with Wendy Nola. We're talking about what the impact that uh, stage, load, stage six load shedding has on the fridges of retailers and supermarkets and what plans the retailers have about maintaining the important cold chain. Uh, Wendy, we're going to go to a voice note, but just a reminder of our numbers. It's 021-446-0567 if you do have a general question for Wendy or if you want to comment on uh, this subject that we're talking about. You can also send a WhatsApp or a voice note to 072-567-1567 like this listener has. Hi, Papa. I can attest to Woolworths. I, this weekend, went into Woolworths, bought a um, ready-cooked, already-cooked gammon for Christmas. Um, took it out of the fridge, paid for it, went to my car. By the time I got to my car, I... My wife called and said that she's also bought exactly the same product at a different Woolworths. I then went into the store and asked them if I can return it and they refused right out and said no. The cold chain was broken and that the product cannot be removed. And I was quite happy um, because of the process that they're following, although I'm out by a few hundred grand. This is Jonathan. Did you hear that, Wendy? Wow. Mm. I did. And and I, I salute you, Jonathan, because sometimes we, we, we like to have, you know, the companies that we choose to do business with, we like them to have high standards until it impacts us in our pockets. Mm. And then we don't like it so much. So so good for you for, for understanding that um, there's a very sound reason uh, for them not doing that. They, they um, you know, it, you obviously telling the truth about how long, what the interval was, but likewise, you could. Oh, I suppose that the, the the time would have been on your slip, but yeah, they they just there's no wriggle room. They 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 will not compromise on that. And whether it's food or anything else, um, uh, retailers um, don't have any obligation. If you buy from a physical store, 
you they don't have any obligation to take back any product unless it's defective and it's off broken you know, any other in any other way defective um and a lot of consumers assume that they can take things back anytime for a refund which is not uh, legally the case so well I, done jonathan thank sh- you for sharing we've got an email that came in should i should i read that email um sure Wendy? uh from jill wan drag uh it says my daughter bought me an office chair at macro on the 6th of, the de- of december 2022 so just a couple of weeks ago exactly 15 days ago i have not used the chair much because i have not been working but have today realized that the chair is not suitable because it is too big I called Macro and explained the situation and they are adamant that the chair cannot be exchanged because of the 14 days that have elapsed. Um, These are the terms explicitly stated in their invoice. I just want to check if this is correct in terms of the Consumer Protection Act. Okay, well, that feeds very perfectly into what I've just been saying. So retailers are not obliged to take back non-defective products bought in a physical store at all. Some of them do have a customer service policy where they will do it for a limited time. And that's actually technically doing you a favor. Um, so two lessons out of that one. And, and certainly in, in Jill's case is to try out something immediately. But I'd say even before that is to find out what a store's policies are, ideally before buying, this was a gift though, or just you know as you receive it so that you know whether you have a, a customer service uh cooling off period or not cooling off period but grace period in which you can you can take it back even if there's nothing wrong with it um and if even if this product had been bought online in which case because you haven't had a chance to interact with the product you can't really see how big it is um or what the what the texture of the fabric is and all the rest um you have seven days legally in terms of another act the electronic communications and transactions act to send it back at your cost if the company makes you pay for a full refund. Um, But even in in that case, uh, we're going back two weeks in Jill's case. So even if it had been bought online, Mm. she wouldn't have had the right of return anymore. So it's an important reminder. I talk about this a lot because um, I'd say it's probably the biggest misunderstanding that consumers share with me day in and day out is their right of return. Most think they have the right to return um, things almost in any situation when they most definitely don't. So as we're uh, going into a, a time of exchanging gifts, um, you really, uh, gifter and recipient should be very much on top of what uh, the particular store's um, returns policies are. Mm, and keep your slips, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well said, <laughs> Bianca. Keep your slips. Keep your slips. Okay. Yeah. Um, our numbers are 021-446-0567. You can WhatsApp us or send us a voice note to ask Wendy any question in our open line part of the show. Welcome back to the show. It is 43 minutes past two. We're talking to consumer journalist Wendy Nola. Any questions that you can that you have for her, you can call us directly on 021-446-0567 or you can WhatsApp us on 0725671567. Wendy, what about all the fraudsters preying on um, anybody, really, by pretending to be <laughs> calling from banks? And maybe you should give us a couple yes. of tips to, to, be, to, to look out for. I, yeah, I actually tweeted uh, this. It was a two-part tweet a few days ago, and it just went crazy. Two hundred nineteen thousand impressions. Wow. Um, it yeah, and the comments and retweets um, were amazing. People saying so many people saying, as I hear, 
uh, whenever I meet people sort of casually, they'll say it happened to my parents, it happened to my parents and my in-laws. So, so what's happening is it's very much um, uh, most of the vic- most of the victims, rather by far the majority, are um, elderly folk. I'd say over 65, 70, um, who aren't that consumer. Uh, sorry, savvy. not consumer. They aren't that uh, um, tech savvy. technology yeah, savvy. Yeah, yeah, tech savvy. And um, so, what happens is, um, unfortunately, our bank details and personal details, um, addresses, and employment information, and self phones and bank account numbers are all compromised. They're all out there in inverted commas thanks to a series of um, credit bureau breaches in recent years. Um, But the fraudsters can't actually get their hands on our money in our bank account unless we give them what the industry calls the keys to the safe. And that is, so they have to get, they can line up purchases, but they need the one-time PIN in order for that to be successful, right? Mm. So, and the only way they can get that is from the intended victim directly because yeah. the victim will have it sent by their bank as an SMS uh, t- to their cell phone. Yeah. And so they phone and they trick them. They don't use the word PIN. They'll use some other word or read these digits. Um, I know my bank at the top of those messages have a big warning in capital letters that says don't give out your to anyone or words to that effect but you must understand these what they've done is is um, got the person into a, a panicked state saying I see these fraudulent um, transactions about to go through we have to work quickly now to stop them mm. and I need your help and just read these numbers variations of that theme and then of course it, it's 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 an awful situation because if you divulge your your pin your uh, account details passwords, to a fraudster or anyone, and as a result, you lose money. Um, you know, the, the bank considers you to have been liable because they've been saying for decades that you don't, you know, you must not mm. uh, share those those all important numbers with anybody. But I just thought, especially now, the end of the year, yeah. this is still rough. I hear from people every single day, Bianca. It's so heartbreaking, and these are people who are not earning anymore. These are yeah. their savings in most cases. Um, and, and they're probably they also cry people that, who, who pay their bills regularly and are good at doing yes, that, if you know what I mean. So they're the diligent, rest. you know. Mm. Some of the banks will, um, some of the banks will give them some money back as a goodwill gesture. A lot of people say it has to be an inside job. Well, if it was an inside job, if the bank staff has had the pins, then they, those forces wouldn't have to waste time and and airtime phoning you, right? Because they'd have what they needed to defraud you to get into your bank accounts they need to make that call it's called social engineering they need to make those calls in order to get you the only person that has those pins uh, or that pin they you know to give it up to them so I just want to say if if you know just pr- please my plea is to have this conversation in your families a lot of us are with our families um, now yes. at this time of year have this conversation around the table Um I promise you, once you start, a lot of people are too embarrassed to say it happened to them, yes. um, especially to their children. But um, it is unbelievably rife. And the, the the advice is, if you get a call from someone who is purporting to be from the fraud division of your bank, no matter how uh, scary they make the situation sound, no matter how much pressure they put you under, just say thank you very much. End the call. If you haven't already, have your 
bank's legitimate fraud reporting number saved under contacts in your phone mm. or if, if you don't have a cell phone you know next to your landline on a notice or something um and then immediately make that call so you know just to be absolutely sure that it was a fraudulent call and say is there any fraudulent or suspected fraudulent activity on my account and uh, nine and a half times out of ten they're going to say no um, right. And that's the way you protect yourself. So, so I think verify, it's a very simple piece of advice. The, 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 the information yeah. with your bank before you take any steps. Do anything. Yeah. yeah. Don't. Yeah. And as, as I say, it's 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 overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly most likely to be the case that, that it was a fraudster. But I'll say to close the loop and be absolutely sure, do make that call. But um, I think also all the people tend to be more obliging, want to be nice and accommodating. Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, and that is their downfall. So the call, they mustn't be afraid to just put the call down, just just end the call. Mm. I'm talking la- landline language, put it down, put the phone down, end the call and uh, just, you, you can so easily, if you're not that savvy around technology, you can so easily be tricked into literally giving a stranger, a fraudster, the keys to your to, to your bank account and the consequences are are absolutely horrifying yeah. i've had many saying that they're suicidal something i feel so, very strongly about so i thought given the response to that tweet of mine let me just use this platform as well mm. to give a, a reminder and start and say have this conversation with your loved ones yeah, and you, your acquaintances and your friends over the christmas table as you as so aptly said a lot of people are ashamed about the fact that it's happened to them so make sure that we talk about these things because the more we talk about it sure. the more um, we'll spread information about it but I must say you know a lot of links that 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 I've been sent on my phone um, you know <laughs> scammy links that you click on yeah. I find that there's a lot of protection online now immediately it says to you you're going to a phishing site or you're going to a, a site that we can't um, verify as safe I, I'm seeing a lot more of that um, yes happening the bank's the banks are under huge pressure from many quarters, including the Ombudsman for Banking Services, to do more to protect their customers, to educate and warn them about ways that they could uh, compromise their information and be defrauded. So that that's the result of that. And, and hopefully we see more and more of it. Um, but the fact that that so many people, I mean, you, you, you can't make people read. You can't, you know, it's often the case that there are warnings and people don't read them because ugh, it's just spam from my bank, perhaps. Yeah. But um, that's why I'm saying we need to make this um, a, an everyday conversation with people in our lives to make sure that we spread the word. And so when a call like that comes, the recipient's first thought is, oh, I've been warned about this. This is a uh, one of those scam calls and boop, end call. Yeah. Um, and then they can brag about how they were the one that got away. We talk- I, 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 yeah, go ahead. Finish, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, finish your, your thing. No, I was just going to say that would be a dream of mine. That would be the best Christmas <laughs> present if, <laughs> if, you know, more people. As I say, because the scale of this thing is, is, is truly horrifying. Yeah, yeah, you're seeing it every day. Um, WhatsApp messages and voice notes, a reminder of our number. If you'd like to ask Wendy a question, it's 0725671567. And we do have a voice note. Let's listen. Hi ladies, um, yeah, just one thing that always surprises me talking about the cold chain and, and so forth um, is why are, why is all the fresh food generally at the front of the stores you enter? So when you buy that perishable product, you're walking through, the, you're doing the rest of your shop with all your perishables already in your basket or trolley. 
um, and then you get the till and so forth. Um, I would have thought that they would have redesigned the stores by now so that uh, the last things that you're buying would be your perishables and go straight to tills from there. Cheers then. What an interesting question. I've never thought about that, but he's absolutely right. There must be a a reason for it, a reason around uh, consumer behavior. Maybe it's a light, bright, colorful area that, you know, is enticing as you walk into a store. But um, look, I think it's mostly the case of veggies. While, you know, ideally many of them should be refrigerated. It's not as big a, a risk as fresh meat and dairy, which are usually at the back of the store. Mm. Um, so, so I'm just trying to that. think what but I yeah, see I when I first go in. It's fruit and, and veg is usually up front yeah, in the store. It's usually fruit and veg yeah. on the left as you walk in. Um, but it would be um, a good discipline to get into. Look, we all, if we're buying ice cream, we all savvy enough to, to put that in the in the trolley last. Yeah. But because um, that's the most vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, it would be a good uh, exercise us to get into a good a good um, habit to get into um, is to put all the anything that you're buying that's in a fridge to put that in your basket last. Um, certainly, that would be a very good habit to to create and maintain. Yeah, I mean, it it, it makes for a good point. Often, redesigning mm-hmm. things are, are the way to to go when it comes to dealing with. Um, issues like load shedding and like we've all had to redesign our lives. I mean, what about people who keep medication in their in their refrigerators? This is something that I think about often. Um, you know, insulin uh, yes. needs to be kept cold and has a, 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 a date of expiry on it. So th- this is a big problem yes. for that, for people who, who have to deal with so, that. Yes. Um, at least in our own homes, there uh, we have doors on our fridges. And so um, we can, if we exercise control and don't open the um, fridge door all the time continually during a blackout um, we, we will maintain it the other thing you can do and we've spoken about it on this show before is put uh, keep icebergs in the freezer and take them out and put them in your fridge especially when we're going into a two and a half hour uh, spell um, or just you know cool drink bottles filled up with water that kind of thing and then as I say have the dis- discipline not to open the door too often that's um those are ways to mitigate against it. I have to say, I haven't bought a fridge for a while. And I was in Germany recently, and the people we were staying with had um, a, uh, a fridge that on the well, fridge freezer side by side, two door job. And on the right, the fridge side, there was a little hatch that you pulled open. And in there was, in their case, fruit juice, wine, and milk, <laughs> uh, which made it very easy to just. And I thought, wow, this is a fridge that we could use in South Africa. So I ran it past Margaret Hirsch, and she says, of Hirsch's and she said we've had these for ages most manufacturers are doing this um you know come to the store I'll show you and I thought okay I'm definitely behind the curve but that it wasn't designed with those fridges weren't designed with the blackouts in mind they were designed for convenience but you know that way getting stuff that you don't that you use regularly you don't have to open the entire a door and yes. there's so much air, cold air out you're just opening the little hatch mm. um and and um I thought that was clever i still haven't made my way to a to a retailer to have a look at the um the variety of those hatch fridges or whatever they're technically called but um i, I certainly will i think also a good uh, tip for people who are keeping medication in their fridge is to keep lots of ice packs in their uh, freezer so then when they know that there's going to be load shedding they can fill up a what are those 
an ice box, you know, those big picnic ones with yes. with, with ice blocks and um, put your meds in there because that's how they transport yeah. it, you know, on, on ice. Exactly. Mm. Or you could just put the ice bricks in the fridge next to it, um, whatever suits you best. But yeah, I think um, yeah. definitely you don't want to mess with the integrity of, of vital medicine like that. That's interesting. You say put the ice bricks into the fridge. Is, is that what you're saying? Yes, that was advice I got from, I think it might even have been from Prof. Anelich some time ago. Okay, you put is, them in like um, the veggie box kind of thing in there. Yes, yeah. and you put them next to, in the in the, in the um, drawers, uh, in, um, uh, the fridge drawers or wherever you keep your perishables and, um, you know, make sure they're nice and cold and then when the, the uh, load shedding period is done, you pop them back in the freezer. Yeah, yeah. So that's quite a quite a reasonable practical solution yeah, good to that desperate times call for desperate measures <laughs> yes tell, tell uh, me wendy any tips for anybody just as we got a few days left for christmas and people are frenzy shopping how do they make sure that they don't overspend and budget at this time uh, oh gosh the perennial questions the perennial questions um uh, i would i had an interesting chat with uh, bruce whitfield on the money show a couple of weeks ago um, as a result of something I read in uh, a publication put out by um, Just Money, um, a website full of great financial advice. And the it's probably too late for too many people now, given that Christmas is uh, on Sunday. But I love this advice. And that was sort of around the, the topic we were having, um, um, we were talking about with you know people being too ashamed to say that they were fraud victims. A lot of people um, are, are too ashamed, even with their nearest and dearest, to say that they've got themselves um, in a pickle with, you know, their repayments on their various accounts, credit cards, etc. Yeah. And and their advice was um, to have this conversation and to say um, it's not a really, you know, acute thing that you can rip the wrapping off. But how about I give you X amount instead of buying you a present, these few hundred rand or whatever can. Um, go towards getting that debt down. Um, of course, there would also have to be a conversation as to how we don't land back in this situation um, this time next year. But I just thought it also gets people talking about it. I think more of the people in our lives have financial issues than they admit to. And knowing that they're not alone and knowing that there's an option, you know, come around, have a nice meal, let's do that. But let me give you this and let's talk, let's, you know. Let's talk more about like, money and stop, talk about stop putting it, it under the table, uh, you know, sweeping it under the carpet all the time. Let's talk more about it in the new year. <laughs> Wendy, we have to run. We've got um, an ad break before we go to news, but we just want to thank sure. you so much for a great year and thank you for today and have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you, Bianca. It's been great chatting to you. Thanks a lot.